Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I wanted a career in which everything would matter, so I joined the CIA. And now I help protect our families, our friends, and every fellow American. Find out how everything you do in your career can impact our nation. Visit CIA.gov careers to learn more and apply. And what's up? Welcome in West Central Chris Clark. This is GC Live. Appreciate everyone who has joined us here on the live stream or on the podcast platform after the fact, or even on the YouTube platform after the fact. You can find us about anywhere, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, any major podcast platform. So appreciate you no matter how you are joining us. And we, of course, appreciate our good friend Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network. ClintHammond.com is where you can find more information from and about Clint. 803-771-6933. And as you see right there, C. Hammond at MortgageNetwork.com. His NMLS number is 71597. And he is, of course, the branch manager of the Columbia Mortgage Network right across from Dreher High School. And if you're in the market for a new home or you just want to save some money and refinance your current house, Clint is your guy. Hit him up, ClintHammond.com. What's up? Hope everybody is good. Monday episode of the show. Chris, another welcome home is in the boat. We can't talk about him, <laughs> but uh, have a good excited. day. Yeah, <laughs> we'll be back later. You'll have a good one. Um, but yeah, so uh, the the excitement rolls on. Um, I, I think Chris, uh, it, it was kind of a, a situation there for a, for a second where everything got a little bit quiet. There were no more silent welcome homes. There were no more questions about. Hey, how many silent welcome homes are left? How many more people are we still waiting on? When did that person's commitment happen as compared to the welcome home that went out? Um, we have it again. We have some excitement again. South Carolina fans. And I'll tell you what, I, I was thinking, I saw that tweet about uh, Beamer and uh, when, when he put out, uh, I can't remember what company it was that put it out, but he was the second highest engagement on Twitter among coaches, Chris. And um, I was thinking, man, it, some of that had to be the fact that they were able to get so many commits. <laughs> right. But he is using these commitments to build his brand on Twitter. And in turn, the fan base has fed off of that excitement, I think. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you look at it and this is – it's not like they're in season. The off season, June, July. I guess that's what they were basing those numbers off. West was what was what was the time period? The past month or something like that. Thanks. Uh, so. Yeah, sometime in the past month or so. And so, obviously, when you go through a period where South Carolina got 
what we went through a time where they had 11 commitments in 11 days. I think from June 13th through a few days in, in July, they had all these commitments jump in. And obviously each time that one of those happens, one of those welcome homes, it generates a lot of engagement because you and I are going to retweet it. Gamecock Central is going to retweet it. The fans are. It's going to drive conversation. We're going to talk about it on the show. They're Ultimately, that's going to draw people back to the Twitter account. Gamecock Football is going to tweet it out. And so it kind of a snowball effect there. And so uh, lots of coaches right now, you know, maybe they're tweeting some, but not that often. And what South Carolina did in terms of volume of commitments in that time period was was pretty high. You know, that that doesn't typically happen a lot at South Carolina or really anywhere. It was just one of those things where there was so much recruiting activity that uh, that's what ended up happening. So that definitely drove it. But uh, a lot of people, Wes, have have made comments to us. And it's easy to see just to even the casual observer that Shane Beamer is very active and very engaged on social media, things in the community. And so I'm not surprised that he's generated lots of engagement, especially at a time when, you know, it's been a pretty exciting time in Columbia in terms of, um, you know, the recruiting activity and the excitement level about the program overall. Yeah, so South Carolina adds that one on Sunday afternoon. I don't think I don't think it's going to be today, but I don't think y'all are going to have to wait incredibly long to get the word on this one. And I do think you're going to be very excited. I think you're going to be happy with it. It's already it's no secret now. It's sort of floated around out there that um, it's going to be a, a highly recruited, highly rated guy. And um, you know, I, I think uh, that that's something that that will have the fan base once again excited uh, whenever this prospect decides to release. Um, his commitment and make it official. I mean, dude, Chris, these days it's really Twitter has become such an important part of the recruiting process. It's even if somebody's tried to say, Hey, player X has committed to South Carolina, nothing is official anymore. Um, until somebody puts it on Twitter or Instagram. That's right. No, it is. And, you know, for all the people wondering, a lot of people have wondered about timeline. We got some stuff in the comments about the timeline Wednesday or Thursday, right, Wes? It's kind of it's kind of our understanding on that. And so people have to wait. You know, again, I know everybody's curious to to know what it is, but uh, just wait. There, there are some things being worked on, and I, I think it'll come out then. But, yeah, nothing's done until then. Obviously, December signing day. But South Carolina seems to be on very firm footing with – the commitments that they do have in this class, they seem very bought in. I anticipate this commitment. There'll be a very high likelihood of it sticking. Um, but yeah, it just, you know, there, there was a conversation I was having with a few Gamecock fans that I know just kind of on a personal level recently, they were kind of talking about this waiting game of <laughs> the excitement of all these welcome homes. But most of them, Wes, I, I, we'd have to go through and break out how many, but, there's been a waiting period on a lot of them, and that's kind of it's exciting slash kind of a tease at the same time. But I think that's part of the allure of it <laughs> lately is is the waiting game, the waiting period for, for these to reveal themselves. Well, I think people people will say they don't want to wait because people don't like to wait, but uh, at the same time people enjoy anticipation, you know, like it, <laughs> no, nobody, nobody actually, nobody has ever said, man, I, I can't wait to go wait. Like you, you don't want to wait at a restaurant, but while you're sitting there smelling the food, you start anticipating that meal you're about to have as well. So 
I, I think that the, the anticipation builds discussion. And I mean, I, I said it, I said it last week, man, or, or maybe it's a week before Beamer's done the impossible and that's to get Gamecock Twitter all pulling in the same direction. I mean, you see the, the, we won't delp the, uh, we want Antonio stuff, the, you know, we want uh, we want Keenan Nelson. We want. I mean, the the fan base has actually taken some of that maybe nervous energy and all the sort of you know. I, I would say that sometimes that negative energy we saw, especially last season, and pointed it in a more positive place. And I, I think that's that that's big. That's something that Beamer can. Um, can use to his advantage because you're and dude, you're you're never gonna sign a guy because of a bunch of tweets. But right. but I mean I, I do think there's something to be said for for generating positive discussion on social media. Now there, you know, is there gonna become a point where some of these kids are just like, all right, man, quit tagging me is like quit, <laughs> like let me just go make my decision. Is is there a point where um, the returns are no longer there yeah. on this whole thing. I, I, th- I think so. There, there are diminishing returns at some point. Yeah. But right now, would you rather have your fan base doing what they're doing right now or constantly bashing the program, which is what we saw for a stretch last season? You choose this every single time. You would. And I, and I think a smart thing that Shane Beamer has done is in my opinion, just our kind of perspective from like a media we're, we're in media to some degree. We understand, I think PR and, and all those different types of things because we have to analyze and assess those different aspects of it in our own job. And so when you look at that, I think he's handled that quite well. Um, doing exactly what you said, pulling everybody in the same direction. It's a good time to do it. And I think Shane Beamer has capitalized on that. Instead of not addressing the commitments or not being as active on social media or not supporting the other sports programs, sure, this is a this is a time where everything should be positive, right? I mean, they they haven't played a game, so there's been no chance to lose a game. There's been no chance to give up a first down. There's been no chance to have a, a controversy about which guys should be playing or which guys should be backing up who. Like those things will come. You know, those things will come. The first time South Carolina gives up a touchdown in the stadium, there will be issues. And, and those things will come up. But right now, there's none of that. Everything's just kind of positive. And so he has taken that, recognized that, and embraced it, and then kind of driven it forward. So all the stuff that you're seeing on social media, whether it's from Shane Beamer, whether it's from the fan base, whether it's stuff like the cotton gin, you know, putting people, recruits up on their billboard, like all that stuff's been embraced and it's been used to be a unifying factor. And that's ultimately what you want going into a season because I think it's going to help you navigate those tough patches that are going to come during the season or in recruiting or whenever. We haven't brought we haven't brought up the cotton gin and and that new sort of fairly new um, thing, but I think it's pretty awesome. Like I think that that is like a very just a college sort of. You, you don't get stuff like that with, with the pros, I feel like. like That, that is a very just n- cool, new, organic 
trend or tradition, new tradition for South Carolina. So kudos to the Cotton Gin. I think it's a nice touch. It is. It is. It's neat. It's, it's a definite college thing. Um, Wes, I, I want to make sure we hit on this. This is off topic. We can come back to what we're talking about. But I saw in the comments, somebody was asking Chris Turnberg from Facebook. And Chris, I hope you're saying that your last name is hard to pronounce. I might have botched it. I'm sorry. Let us know if not, if I did. He wanted to ask about the J.C. Horn incident, quote unquote. And this is something I had like actually missed when it happened. Backstory, because I want to give my take on this. It might be a miniature rant, Wes, so prepare yourself. J.C. Horn, you know, Chris Graves, who was this four-star corner out of Florida, mentioned that J.C. Horn, who, of course, was the first defensive player taken in the draft, he knew Chris Graves. He he kind of gave an endorsement of, of Travaris Robinson, T-Rob, who was on Will Muschamp's staff, to Chris Graves during a conversation. Okay. So a lot of people took that as J.C. Horn bashing South Carolina or trying to drive people to another school. J.C. had to go on and defend himself. Wes, we hit on this the other day uh, in a recent show. I'm just going to give my two cents on it. People can feel free to disagree with me. First of all, way blown out of proportion, right? And and we talked about this the other day. J.C. Horn was back at South Carolina during camp, walking around, all smiles, He's done nothing but support the program since he left. He's shown nothing but love. Yes, he opted out of the end of the season. And again, we're not going to go down that road. That was a complex thing. There were a lot of things that went into that. A lot of it people don't know about. Okay. That's a separate discussion. He even had to go on social media and defend himself on this and was talking about the Gamecocks, how much he loves South Carolina. He also loves Javaris Robinson. If that makes people mad, I'm sorry. I understand that the previous coaching staff, it didn't go well at the end. They got dismissed, et cetera. But the, those two are close. Chris Graves asked him about T-Rob. He said he thinks T-Rob's a great coach. T-Rob's now at Miami. Probably wouldn't have mattered. Chris Graves was probably going to Miami anyway. Okay. But J.C. Horn, th- these prospects have relationships. Prospects more and more, if you guys haven't noticed, whether it's in college, the NBA, the NFL, it's a different era. These guys are because of AAU ball or coming up in high schools, the recruiting game, social media. They're often close with each other. Guys from Clemson and Carolina, a lot of those guys have good relationships. Now, they want to beat each other's brains in on the field, but there's it's different now, right? And so a guy answering a question honestly about a coach that he's worked with, that's just – it's one of those things. So I, I think it was much ado about nothing for people that made a big deal about it. And J.C., again, he took he took some heat from people, and he's had nothing but positive things to say about South Carolina. Like I said, he's been back. I just don't think it was much of an issue at all. I think it was overblown, and I think it was a little bit a situation where a lot of people kind of gave a take and didn't think it through. So non – even though I kind of made it a story by talking about it, non-story, again, pe- people kind of – something like that, people are kind of looking for a reason to be offended and get mad. Th- there's nothing to worry about there with J.C. Horn. People, like you said, Wes, should celebrate the fact that J.C. Horn is showing South Carolina love and all his interactions and things like that. And, and dude, to your point, these, these guys – 
rightfully so, are going to support the people who have supported them. Yeah. T-Rob, J.C. Horn, whether anybody thinks T-Rob was a great defensive coordinator or not, for one, T-Rob is a really good defensive backs coach and a respected defensive backs coach and has the respect of J.C. Horn. It It is so common, y'all, for a coach to sort of call on, hey, J.C., help, help me push through with this guy. J.C. Horn is not going to be like, nah, man, don't go play for that guy. Like, that, that's not that's not going to happen. Right. You know, if, if, if it had come out, if it had come out that he had bashed South Carolina and been like, do not go, do not go play there. Um, probably would be like the fans bashed me on Twitter. If he, if there was one argument to, you know, that he would have, which the fans have bashed JC on Twitter for multiple reasons. And he's still shown love to South Carolina. Yeah. Um, so point being, this happens everywhere. Guys are going to support, and help their former coaches, especially when it's a position coach that you spent a lot of time with. So it is what it is. JC went on to say South Carolina wasn't even in the top two. And he went on to say, hey, I helped them with some other guys. So why don't y'all remember that? But here's the thing. Big picture, if you're a South Carolina fan, and I don't really think it's anybody on our show. Maybe maybe three-star Tommy was one of the people. I don't know. But – um for the most part, everybody on our show is sort of sort of chill with it. Like they have opinions, but but why why are you gonna go bash? And, and I know asking questions like that on social media, like why are you gonna? It's it's a helpless question. But why are you gonna go bash? The, there there's now an there's an article that now says J.C. Horn responds to South Carolina fans who bashed him on Twitter. That's an article on the internet right now, and it's never going to go away. Like it, so why no. why would you give other programs that ammo against you just so you can vent on Twitter? Like vent, vent to your buddy while you're drinking a beer, vent to your friends, vent in your Gamecock group chat. It does you no good. It does the program no good for you to vent? To the guy who just got picked in the first round, like, are you are you serious right now? <laughs> yeah, and, and you're and you're you're doing it, it, and and it's based. It's like a straw man. Like it's, it's based on this thing that's not even like like it would be one thing if people wanted to respectfully criticize. If again, if he was like, don't go to South Carolina. That place is terrible, or what? You know, whatever it may be, he didn't do that, and and has not done that. Like JC pointed out, he's had nothing but good things to say about guys. Uh, who asked him about South Carolina. He's had nothing but good things to say on social media. He's been back. He was went to South Carolina and was the first defensive player taken. Uh, right off the top of my head, I mean, there's a 2023 DB that out of Georgia, Ethan Nation. I don't know if he's a guy South Carolina will end up having a shot with, but he has told me personally, J.C. Horn has really spoken highly of South Carolina. And guess what the first thing he said was, J.C. talks about how great the fan base is. Like, that's exactly what Ethan told me about it. So, it's, you know, it's just one of those things. If you're going to criticize at least, at least, you know, base it on something that's reality, you know. But I'm not surprised. It's just one of those things to, to clear up, and I wanted to kind of get on the soapbox a little bit about it. 
Indeed. And I, I'm with you. And we had that, that was a question as well. So, um, so yeah, that, that's our take on that. Do we have any other questions? I think we, I think we're, there are a few in the mix, maybe. Um, let's see. Somebody asked, how hard is it not to say the name of the committed prospects? I think we're used to it by now. Oh yeah. But I also I do think about that. I'm like, don't don't get so never get so comfortable on live anything that you just say what's popping into your brain. Um anyway. Yeah. Masso says next subject. What do you want to talk about, Masso? I know you're uh you're a loyal chatter on here. What do you want to talk about, man? What do you want to talk about, Chris? I don't I don't I got nothing. I got nothing left, but we can't we can't do a twenty two minute show. You, you, so, you're just gonna uh, get on. Up. No, I've I've got some things. So uh, there were a few more questions. I'm gonna try to go back and find and double back to um, some interesting things here. But uh, one thing I did want to mention, I texted you before the show about this. Darian Stewart, former Gamecock football standout, ten year NFL veteran, uh, recently retired from the league after a great career there. He is actually holding a charity golf tournament. I've been working on a quick story that we're going to have up on Gamecock Central later today with some details on that, Wes. Um, But we are going to – yeah, so we'll have that up. Uh, Charity golf tournament, it's going to benefit Stewart standouts. That is uh, Darian Stewart's foundation, which basically ultimately his goal – I talked with him at camp last summer, Wes. He and Jared Cook were hanging out there one day. I talked to Darian about it. And basically, his ultimate goal is to have kind of an after-school program for kids, mentorship, safe place to go, things like that. Um, So he's working on that with this foundation that was started actually all the way back in 2014. They actually had a partnership with Swansea High School here in South Carolina recently. Um, And he's doing some good things with it. So charity golf tournament, it's uh, on the 19th at Cobblestone. And if you want to go to Stewart Standouts, dot org is what i think it is yes stuart standouts.org there's information right there on the front page about playing sponsoring some big names are supposed to be involved and my understanding is i think you might have a chance to be paired in a foursome with some of these celebrities play a little golf with them i, I heard some names thrown around darian was telling me about uh that are possibilities dj swearinger stefan gilmore jared cook connor shaw patrick marco a lot of big ones. So definitely check out that event, um, which is going to be on July 19th, if you're interested. Um, yeah, good stuff. Are you are you playing, Chris? Is that? I, I am not playing. I'm very bad at golf. That is not my sport. We don't get along. Um, will I be there? Maybe. We'll see. I might be there. But it's apparently going to be a pretty – Pretty freaking good event. So I'm um, pretty excited about it. Some prestigious names, you're saying. Very prestigious. Very prestigious. Yes. That, Bless that's you. a good Go ahead. That's good timing, Chris. Shall, shall we te- shall we tease um something? Oh, yeah. I think so. I think so. We're te- we're teasing it. We're doing it. It's happening. Let's not say the name of the venue yet because we probably need to make 100% sure. But 
Should we give the date? Should we give the date? Let's give the put, date so people can pit pencil on the calendar. Maybe not pen or marker yet. Put put this on your calendar. August 20th. Just go ahead, circle it, say that you have something to do that day. Cause me and Chris are throwing a party. And we'll just we'll leave it like that. We're throwing yep. a party and you're all invited. Um we've done we've done some like little meet and greets in the past. This uh this in theory and it's about to be not in theory. It's going to be in reality. It's not going to be just a little meet and greet. This is going to be a party. So it's not going to be just um just Gamecock Central subscribers. This is going to be a Gamecock party. You're all invited. It is it is going to be outdoors unless something changes. Um and it's going to be fun. And I, I would say we don't have a time, but I would I would think more along the lines of that Friday night, an evening event, if you will. Yes. Maybe with some opportunities there in the late afternoon, depending on how it all shakes out. But everybody here is invited. Um, <laughs> Seth wants for there to be a, a pinata and a jump castle. And a low uh, police presence from Travis. I, Travis, I, I don't know what you got planned, but I – I don't know about that, man. Might need to yeah, more, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, man. It, it's going to be fun. I, I feel like this entire show is just a tease. We're just talking about things. Ah, this may happen. But seriously, there will be a commitment announced at some point. There is a party. Yes, everybody is invited. Everybody. Even three-star Tommy. Yep. Is very, I would love to meet three-star Tommy, actually. It'd be fantastic. Um, I agree. I'm going to go ahead and say it on here. If you are a Gamecock business owner, hit me up. We've got an opportunity here. I think we've already got a couple of people that are hopefully and possibly in, but we're looking for a couple of sponsors on this. It's going to be massive. Promise you. It'll be worth your money. So hit me up, Wes at Gamecock Central. I mean, y'all know where to find us by now. We're on Twitter. Um Hit us up on Gamecock Central, whatever. Y'all know where to find us. But, yes, mark your calendars, August 20th. Live music, former players, surprise guests. Oh, what a team. It's going to be fun. It's going to be awesome. Let's go back. Uh, Greg has hit us uh, with a little tip there, Chris. I appreciate you, Greg. Um, And I like that he tipped us with this because he's given us a pretty tough question, Chris. Yeah. Oh, you got to project the starting back seven. Um, you know, I, I was thinking we've talked so much recruiting. We have not talked much team at all lately. Yep. This is our opportunity. Let's sort of let's sort of dive in if we can, and we'll talk it out. Karan Prunty and Cam Smith. I don't want to say locks, but uh, you sort of pencil them in at the two cornerback spots. Yes. And start there. Yep. Um, I'm actually going to pencil R.J. Roderick in at a safety spot. Veteran presence, 
Um, say what you want, but I, I think he's a starter. Yep. Um, nickel. David Spalding was the starter there at the spring game. Um, Carlin Splatel, I actually think, has a shot to be a starting nickel. Then there's some other guys. Maybe, maybe you slide a guy over from, from corner. Who are you sliding at nickel? So that that's the toughest one to answer because I think when you when you look at nickel, you kind of okay, is it a guy that maybe you presume at safety that you move to nickel? You know, if you play like I've won I've always wondered about well, what what about RJ Roderick at nickel in this defense? You know, but more like I, I tend to agree with you, Wes, just based on what we're going what we have going right now. You know, RJ at, at safety seems a little more likely. So then it's just kind of nickel being that important hinge point. Now, Jalen Dickerson, if healthy, um, is a guy that has a lot of – he's got a lot of college experience, not as much on-field college experience. What is this, his fourth year in the South Carolina program? So plenty of experience. Obviously, new scheme for everybody. Um, but you got him. Jalen Foster played a good bit last year. You know, he could he could end up being a guy for you. Um, at corner, you know, Dominic Kill, we've heard some good things about coming on. So, you know, do you, do you look at him in a space? I think, I think you put it in a, in a good way. I think, I think you have to like talk through this one because it's not, it's not something you can just say, boom, boom, boom. You know, here's, here's what we think. You know, it's, it's really not that simple. And I think one reason for that, Wes, is a lot of times we can kind of go through a spring or a preseason and at least get an idea of some iterations of like where things stand. We only really had the spring game for that. Um, there were so many guys and at defensive back was one of them where like it was, it was hit or miss because some guys were out with little nagging minor things to where they couldn't play. And so we didn't get a full picture of what some of these lineups could look like. Um, Tyrese Ross, you know, transferred in. I mean, that, that's another one, you know, that, that could get a look. But if we're going to give an answer, I'm going – I'll give you mine. All right. Just because he – I mean, he did throw us a tip. So, I'm going Cam and Prunty outside. Complete hunch. I've never seen Carlin Splatel play a day in my life in person. (laughs) Carlin Splatel at nickel. Right – you know, Travis, Travis Edwards, maybe that may be what I'm going with too, man. I'll go RJ and Tyrese Ross at safety. Okay, so Tyrese Ross. Yeah, and then um, Brad Johnson's probably your starter at one linebacker spot, and Gerard Green is probably your starter at the other. I do think in time, Debo Williams will push ahead potentially at one of those spots. But I think we got to be realistic with the expectations we put on him. I think he's still learning that position at this level from what I've heard. So if we're talking like game one, coaches tend to go with experience 
they tend to go with guys who have played, even if it wasn't in their scheme. That that's my that's my back seven. Yeah, and you know, I I, I think maybe Mo Kaba you could throw into that mix, right? Like a Mo Kaba, a Jamar Brown, you know, like you could throw those guys into. Hey, these guys can make a move, but man, it it is so hard to answer that question right now because I think it can be even difficult to answer a question of what's the who your starters on the front four. You know, like you can even mix them. Like that's easier to answer overall based on experience, who's coming back, talent. But the back seven, I mean, could the coaches even answer that right now? Like they could give you a here's what it'd be today. But when they line up against Eastern Illinois, there's several of these guys that they have never coached. They have not seen them take a snap in a Gamecock uniform. There are a lot of guys that they have seen on a very limited basis. Maybe it's just on film, practice film, game film from the old staff in a, in a different scheme. So it's a really tough question to answer. So I think what we answer right now, even, you know, five days into preseason, answer could change. And then definitely after preseason camp going into the opener, it could be a third version, you know, or a fourth or a fifth. I would go – here will be my guess right now that really doesn't mean much. I'm going to go – Prunny and Smith at corner. Yeah, I'll agree with you on Platel. And then I'm going to go Roderick and Dickerson. That'd be mine right now. That'll probably change about five times. So. Greg, uh, Greg throwing another. Was this, hold on, we got, we got so many Gregs. Was this, was it Greg S both times? No. Is Greg Lee and Greg S not to be outdone? <laughs> There's Greg a tip as well. I, I kind of like I like this. We're keeping it interesting today. If you're going to be a running back in an Oklahoma drill, so we're the running back in this scenario. Current roster, who do you want blocking, and who do you not want hitting you? Um, I don't think I want. Debo hitting me. Yeah. Like wh- whether he's the starter, whether he's a starter at linebacker yet or not, there's no question this dude knocks heads. Yeah. So he- he's my answer there. But who do I want blocking for me? Is a little bit tougher. Last year's roster, I'm going to Darius Hutcherson all all day, I think. I'm going to give you a little may, – maybe not the first guy that would pop in your brain, but I'm going Javon Gwynn because this dude's strong as an ox. He's not uh, – you know, he's not having to worry about pass pro in the Oklahoma drill. And I think he's a guy – he's got sort of a low center of gravity but is super strong. Probably in this scenario, if he gets his hands on you, he's going to take care of business. So I'm praying Debo Williams is lining up in another area, going in somebody else's lane. And I'm hoping Javon Gwynn is, is there. That's a good one. That's a good one. I, you know, Debo was the first person to pop up in my head in, in general. Um, so I, I would also pick him just based on kind of reputation 
what we saw in high school, what we heard in high school, reputation for a big hitter. So that that's the guy I would go with. And, and you know, nobody – kind of that linebacker spot, nobody comes to mind as kind of a big hitter, so to speak. So that would be the guy I would pick. Offensive line, Gwen's a good pick for the reasons that you mentioned. I'm trying to think kind of a – more of an interior guy, and I totally agree with you on Hutcherson from last year. You know, you know one, and I don't even know what his role is going to be this year as far as how much he played. I mean, Jordan Rhodes would be one that I would think of because he's always been a guy that, again, you mentioned the thing about if he gets his hands on you, he's a guy that's got some physicality and power. I might roll the dice with him in that setting, right? That, that might be one that, that makes sense. And he's a thick dude, so um, oh, yeah. whoever's tackling you is going to have to go around him which is probably going to be pretty hard. (laughs) Very true. Um, Travis is picking Kevin Harris. So you want Kevin blocking for you? Because in this scenario, you're you're not picking the running back. You are the running back in the scenario. You're picking who's blocking and who's hitting you. Um, Bo says, uh, Bo City says that we're sleeping on Jalen Foster. And we're, when, when we, again, like Chris said, when we pick those, it's just an educated guess. Jalen Foster very easily could be the starter or a starter at safety. Nobody's saying he won't be. Um, let's see. What else we got? Yeah, Travis says don't forget Mo Caba. Um, Trey wants to know who the starting receivers will be. You know, I, I think right now I think – we need we need nine ninety nine for that to answer this yeah. hard hard question. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, we need more than nine ninety nine for this question. <laughs> I think Jalen Brooks, the carry on Joiner. Again, we're going day. We're talking day one. So this is these are all educated guesses. Day one, first game, and we're assuming everybody's healthy. I think I'll give the cop-out answer is to carry on Joyner, Jalen Brooks, and that South Carolina is in a two-tight end set, and those are your two starters. Because I, I think – and that's a cop-out answer, but I, I think there's merit there. This, in my opinion, will end up being a two-tight end offense. I don't know if that's ultimately what they want it to be, but when they talk about doing what they do best and doing this and matching the skill set of this team – that, that's what South Carolina will be. Now, when you start talking about three receiver sets, what does that look like? Is it Ortre Smith in there at one of the outside spots? Um, you know, I still think uh, Amarian Brown is a guy who was who was banged up in the spring, so we didn't hear much. He's sort of a forgotten guy. But we know how excited South Carolina was to sign him. He's going to – I believe he will have his say before it's over. Yeah, um, those are the same guys that came to my mind. With one exception, um, I'd throw Josh Van in that mix. Um, so I, I, I agree with you. So I think you could see the starting receiver group being, like you said, two tight ends, but one of those being maybe a Jaheim Bell in the slot, right? Like that makes a lot of sense. Or we could see an EJ Jenkins in the slot you know, depending on, on package and where they are and what they're trying to do. 
the tight ends are going to be a big part of this offense. Obviously, Nick Muse is going to be a guy they use a ton. He's more of your inline. You know, he can catch the ball. Obviously, guy's got some speed. He's got some open field moves, but he's more. He has more of that kind of dual threat, I guess you could say, skill set at tight end. Whereas a Jaheim Bell, he's going to be more of your flex slot type of guy. EJ Jenkins obviously has a receiver background, so they'll be able to do some different things. But you know, I think when you when you're trying to project the starters this early out, which again, that can be tough. Got to get through preseason, see how that goes. Not to mention summer. The the first two guys that you always hear about when you ask people within the program who flashed during spring at receiver, and it is the two guys you mentioned. It's it's Joiner, it's Jalen Brooks, and I remember having a conversation in, in a media setting with with Justin Step before one of the welcome home tour stops in Greenville, and he mentioned those two guys. And he said, you know, the last two weeks of spring, Josh Van really came on. And so I think, Wes, the question for Josh and those other guys, but for Josh is can he continue that? Can he carry that into summer and into the preseason? Because we know, again, we've talked about this a ton. These guys have ability. You know, Josh Van has ability. It has not manifested itself on the field. Uh, but you don't look at him and go, the guy just doesn't have any talent. You know, like you, you don't say that with him. Um, so if he carries that over, I think he would have a chance to be, you know, that third guy. Yeah, good points, man. And uh, and and again, that position, that is one that certainly will have moving parts leading into the season and during the season. And if you're man, if you're South Carolina, frankly, you are hoping that one of your young guys can start pushing into the mix. Um, you know, is it a Rico Powers? You know, one one of the freshmen from last year, uh, Jakari Caldwell. South Carolina was very high on both those guys last year as fre- as true freshmen coming in. They made noise in that building to start the year when when nobody was able to watch. So, what work have they done this offseason? Can can they get into the mix there? I think is uh, is a question for South Carolina, but but something where Shoot, man, I expect Omega Blake – I don't want to put that expectation on him, but I expect you're going to roll Omega Blake out there and practice and see if he can help you because that is a position that they need guys to step up at, frankly. So if, nobody is off limits at wide receiver. Everybody will get a shot, in, in my opinion. I, I think everybody gets yep. a shot at, at that position. Um, by the way, I, I did. we were talking about – the fan base earlier and um, positives and, and negatives and all that stuff. I, I do want to send a shout out to the job of the fan base. And if y'all will give me one second, I'm, I'm trying to pull this up real quick and make sure I get it correctly. Um, but Chris, I'm sure you saw South Con defensive back Marcellus dial. His father passed away um, last week. And, and Marcellus has put the, all this out publicly, put it on his Twitter. His dad passed away at a young age, and um, he had been dealing with some some chronic things that I believe kept him from getting uh, you know life insurance, all those type of things, without going into any of the details. But um, there is a GoFundMe, and South Carolina fan base, plus others. Not I'm sure it's not just uh, the fans, but to those who stepped up. Really awesome job. They had a $9,000 goal um, set up on the GoFundMe 
for funeral expenses for Marcellus Dow's uh, father, uh, you know, for the family. And uh, well over that has now been raised. It's now over over $10,600 have been raised. So wanted to go ahead. I wanted to obviously send condolences to Marcellus Dow, his family. That's a kid that I, uh, you know, talked to a couple times in the recruiting process. Always been gracious with his time. Terrible thing for his family to have to go through. Um, and also wanted to uh, give uh, South Carolina fan base credit um, and everyone else credit for stepping up in that moment of need for, for his family and, and taking care of that because that's that that was really awesome of everybody. So condolences to Marcellus, good kid, um, and uh, just wanted to make sure to mention all that, Chris. Yeah, no doubt. Had a chance to um, exchange a couple messages with his father, you know, during the recruiting process too. So definitely sad deal uh, for Marcellus and his family and, and really awesome of, of Gamecock Nation. And like you said, everybody else, Wes, not, you know, you can't always trace where those things are coming from, but the community, the family, friends, and, uh, and, and Gamecock Nation as well did an outstanding job with that. So hopefully, uh, you know, definitely, definitely, thinking about Marcellus and his family as they continue to navigate that and go through that. No doubt. No doubt, man. Um, no, no real segue off of something like that, obviously, but I, I wanted to make sure that we mentioned that. And if, if you still also for, for this reason, if you still would like to make a donation, uh, you can do that. Uh, if you search on the GoFundMe, you can go to Marcellus Dial's Twitter, which is dial at dial Marcellus, or you can go on GoFundMe.com and search. Um, the uh, name is Deborah Smith, um, and the organizer is uh, Talia Mays. So if, if you want to go on there and search for that, certainly um, feel free to do so. Uh, yeah, getting back to football real quick before we get out of here. We, we did not mention Xavier Leggett, Chris. That's someone that, that came in with – Pretty high expectations as a sophomore last year. I think we um, we hyped him up as being someone that – not hyped him up in, as far as saying these are what the expectations are, but hyped him up really from a standpoint of South Carolina needs to get a lot of out of Leggett. Showed some flashes, I think, is fair to say, but then uh, was dealing with some nagging injuries, I think. It never completely clicked. We always say don't give up on guys too early. Yep. But sometimes it just all clicks later in the process. Now, that said, I have not heard Leggett's name come up a ton this offseason, but certainly one a guy we probably should have mentioned. Yeah, from a from an ability standpoint, that's another one where you look at it and say, okay, you know, what guys could step up? You know, could they make some noise this summer? Could they make a push in preseason based on ability and the two guys that pop in my mind from that standpoint not to say it will happen but could two guys that people are talking about a lot in the comments in Leggett this is a guy that has size speed he has some natural ball skills so he's definitely one uh, like you said Wes showed some flashes and a guy that showed more than flashes early in his career was Ortre Smith as a true freshman you know 2017 I think 30 catches a few touchdowns to his credit made some big plays at times for South Carolina and so he's another one that has some experience, albeit in the past, has dealt with some hard things with that with that knee surgery that he had, among other things. And so now um, he's still with the program. And, again, you look at the ability, him and, and 
Xavier Leggett, that's a couple guys that I think you look at who could make some noise based on talent. They might fit that bill. No doubt, man. Um, all right. Does, it, does anybody else have anything? You got anything else, Chris? I don't, man. I don't. All right, y'all. I guess that's going to do it. Um, let's see. Maslow has a question. Almost missed. Who was a tight end that had one or two great games but got hurt with a couple of games to go? Kevion Mullins is probably who he's talking about. Yes, that's right. He got he got hurt at LSU. Had was having his best game as a Gamecock at LSU. Yeah. And then um, had a a lower leg injury, if I remember correctly, in that game, and, and never really got back to it. But that that's another that's another one, man. I mean, yep. there is talent. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think that um, I think if you look at South Carolina. Monterio Hardesty and Eric Kimry could probably have a pretty good argument about who inherited the best room as far as their position groups go because the running backs and the tight ends, really good positions. Like Those positions are in really good shape. You look at some of these other spots, you're having to re, sort of reshape those positions. Those spots, I, I think you feel pretty good about, about where South Carolina is. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, with, with tight ends, some of it is – you know, some guys with ability that aren't proven yet and, and guys who can do a lot of different things. So, like, if you look at, like, the on-the-line, you know, I use the term, like, the dual-threat tight end, and, and that being a guy who can play on-the-line with his hand down and help block a defensive end, but also a guy who can go out and run routes for you in, in open space and get himself open, catch passes, make things happen in the passing game. Nick Muse is one. And then – Aside from him, like Trey Kenyon might be that, but he has not done it on the field yet. Like former four-star talent, has ability, has done a good job of getting himself into shape. We've heard some good things, but hasn't done it, right? Then you got like all these different kinds of skill set with Jaheim Bell who can play running back, <laughs> you know, and flex out. Then EJ Jenkins, who's this massive six-seven, you know, hybrid wide receiver, wide receiver tight end. Then a guy like Mullins, you know, a guy like Eric Shaw, who are, you know, smaller in terms of size and look more like wide receivers. So a lot of interesting, you know, body types in that room that can do different things for you. Not as much as the on the line traditional quote unquote tight end, um, but some different types in there. And, and same thing at running back, you know, where they're going to have some different, you know, types of talents in that room that maybe they can do some different things with. No doubt. All right, so that's going to do it for Monday's show. Again, appreciate everybody for joining us. We'll be back on Wednesday. Hopefully uh, by Wednesday's show, maybe maybe we get to talk about the welcome home. We'll see. We'll certainly look forward to breaking that down at some point in the future. He is Chris. I am Wes. This show, as, brought, as always, brought to you by our good friend, Clint Hammond. Check him out, clinthammond.com. He is the branch manager of the Columbia Mortgage Network. We'll see you on Wednesday. Y'all have a great day. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. 
purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.